Um, okay, well, welcome, guys. Uh, you braved the cold. You, re you remembered kind of the first of the year, too. So that is amazing. So what we'll do is we will start with the prayer, uh, kind of talk about uh, the rite of welcoming that is coming up. Then we'll get into our subject tonight, which kind of unpacks the next uh, tonight and then two more sessions. So you guys will get maybe a little bit sick of me. So I, I have most of this month and then at least uh, Mark Heffley has the, the last of the month. Um, but yeah, so we'll just kind of delve into it, starting with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, when you came, you said you came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. You said that the Ten Commandments are still to be followed, but you illuminated how they change the human heart, will protect us, and will heal us. So as we start with our study of the Ten Commandments and what they mean um, within the church, within our spirituality, um, please help us to understand, draw forth any questions we may have about them, especially as we open the first three commandments, love of God. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. So, right of welcoming is uh, coming up. I should have just talked with you guys more. Uh, uh, on the 22nd, was that that we were looking? Yeah, so at the 9.30 a.m. So, on the 22nd, we'll remind you of this. We'll send stuff out uh, as well. But on the 22nd is what's called the right of welcoming. So if you are at the point where it's like, yeah, I really think that the church uh, has the fullness of the truth. I am considering, you know, you don't have to be like 100% sure. But if it's like, yeah, I think this is going to happen either within this Easter or this year um, at the 930 mass on uh, January 22nd, which again, we'll send all this information out. We'll have handouts. Um, there's just a little, what's called a rite of welcoming. And at that mass, all we do is we just kind of uh, have a little prayer for, for the people who are joining the church. It kind of starts the process of, you know, the community gets to kind of uh, see you, be with you, say hello, um, you know, maybe see you after. We might have a light reception after which uh, means nice sweet treats for those who like sweets, which is majority of people. Um, and then, yeah, so just a little reception to celebrate you guys after. So January 22nd on Sunday at the 9.30 a.m. If you can't make it, like, it's not the end-all of end-alls, but, um, but it is just kind of a nice welcoming of the community, and you can kind of see different people um, come to say hi. So that is coming up, and we'll send out more information in the following weeks, okay? Um, all right, so as you can see, we have our little handout tonight. Hopefully I printed enough handouts, uh, but that QR code at the top, just a real reminder, or for those who are new, you can scan this and go to a anonymous question submission. So if you have a question about anything, like it does not have to pertain to just the first three commandments, um, anything about the church, spirituality, prayer, if you had a random thought of like, um, hey, how, how, I mean, that's a big question. How do you pray? Um, we'll take, we'll take a tangent there, uh, cause good questions are there. So actually let me pull that up right now so that we can just have that up and ready to go. So feel free at any time to scan that, submit an anonymous question. 
or if you have any, again, if you have any real questions, live questions, uh, feel free to raise your hand, interrupt me, and that's what we will do. I'm going to sign into the anonymous questions so that you can submit something. All right. Okay, it's open and ready to go anytime you guys want. So let's begin. The Ten Commandments are something that, I mean, they're on TV, they're in movies. People who have zero idea about Christianity or religion in general know about these like Ten Commandments. They're, they're somehow they're out in the ethos of just things that Christians and um, you know, the, the Jewish people, like the Judeo-Christians, hold to these Ten Commandments. Um, so it's out there, at least basic knowledge of them. So we are going to kind of unpack them in regards to learning about the faith. And so what I wanted to start with was the commandments. What are they in general? Okay. Uh, I guess I could have done like the actual scripture study of how the Ten Commandments were given to Moses. But uh, just in a very brief moment, let me just talk about how these are the Ten Commandments directly from God to Moses to give to the people. So I want you also to notice that God, mediator to the people. And if you go through sacred scripture, um, if you, yeah, in the way that Jesus set up his church, the Old Testament, the New Testament, it really seems like God directly talking with the mediator and that mediator gives to the people. Mediator then becomes morphing over time into priests, the priests, the 72. So we'll always kind of have this thing where there's someone in the middle who kind of gives up their life in order to be the go-between between like receiving from God and giving to people. Um, what we'll see, especially like at the mass, is kind of we'll see a lot of connections between the Old Testament of receiving from God, giving to the people. Because when you look at the mass, that's all that really is. We receive the gifts from the people, the water and wine, right? The priest who has given his life to God says the prayers, offers them to God, gives directly the Eucharist, and then the priest returns to the people. And I do that by really stepping outside of the sanctuary to distribute communion. Um, so we see this process of God, mediator to the people, over and over and over throughout Old Testament and New Testament. In short, this is where we get the commandments as well. He was given written on stone tablets. You've see, has anyone seen that old timey, like at Easter time, the uh, the Ten Commandments? Who? Char yeah, Charlie Heston. Yeah. Um, good actor. But we always watch that at Easter time. But um, that's always a good one. Maybe maybe watch that one. It's very long. I remember it being an epic and so long. Yeah, it must have been like six videotapes. Um, but it was uh, it was long, but pretty good rendition, I think. Um, so we get that, and then now let's start unpacking. So we have these things. What are they? Um, the again, CCC is Catechism of the Catholic Church. If you get one of those things, that's just the book. I didn't bring it. Um, of like, what does the church teach? And it's all in one one stop shop. Um, if you look at a catechism and that's too daunting, like. Boy, that's a lot of information. I don't know if I can get into that. Um, I recommend a UCAT 
stands for the Youth Catechism. UCAT, I brought it up before, but again, has, for those who are new, nice pictures and uh, just kind of breaks it down a little smaller. So from the Catechism, it says the Ten Commandments are this. The conditions of life freed from the slavery of sin. Again, here you see them not as a list of do nots, but a list of conditions of a life freed. Overall, the Ten Commandments are not something that is like, it's wrong because I say so. It's in the lens of, I say, I, I call them out because they're going to hurt you. So I heard this lesson from another priest kind of talking about that, how sin is nothing other than something that leaves a hangover. And so these commandments kind of protect us from a hangover. So, you know, hangover usually dealing with alcohol, but, but I mean, any action that leaves some sort of emotional, um, intellectual, or spiritual hangover, it may have felt good at the time, but then later on, it seems like, well, my relationship with this person is now kind of harmed, or my connection with God feels a little strained, or I just feel emotionally drained. I don't feel recharged, all because I had that hit or that moment of pleasure. So kind of a spiritual hangover is sin. And these Ten Commandments are like very helpful. Uh, I like B because they describe kind of the minimum of what love requires. Ten Commandments are the minimum of what love requires. You know, for those, um, you know, for those, I mean, think of dating. There are the basics of dating, right? You know, you are kind, you are attentive, um, you aren't rude. There are basic things that are going to happen for that relationship to continue. Ten Commandments are just like, these are the basics of being a good human, interacting with each other and interacting with God. So think of it more in that lens rather than the, the, the walls that I cannot break through. Okay. Um, these Ten Commandments, again, I really love this analogy of the eye exam. If you looked at the Ten Commandments and then talked to them about other humans who you know, who aren't Christian or they weren't raised in any Christianity or of the Jewish faith and they had no clue. And you were like listing these things. I think they could agree like, yeah, that sounds like a good, that sounds like a good list. If you were building a brand new society and you showed them the 10 commandments, like, Hey, should people follow these? A good government would be like, yeah, we agree on these. Um, here's the eye exam analogy. You know, when everyone goes to the eye exam, uh, everyone can read the first two lines, except maybe some of you don't. So some of, yeah. So I have one sister who fails the second line, I think it is. But, um, but in general, like with an eye exam, everyone can kind of read the first two and we all agree. Oh yeah, yeah. This one's this, this, this letter. Oh yeah. I see that too. Perfectly fine. But as we progress through the next ones, other people have capacity to see it that others don't. So I would say that the 10 commandments might be the ones that we agree on altogether as humans. And then Jesus had to come to kind of clarify the next lines of like what it means to be human and interact with each other, uh, things like that. So, um, the 10 commandments are just kind of the basics, the top ones of the eye exam that we're all like, Oh yeah, we definitely can see. Does it always start with the letter E for some reason? My, my mind, it's like E um, is the first one. Um, we agree it's E, that's the Ten Commandments. Um, 
again, Judeo-Christian, which just means those of the Jewish faith, those of Christian faith, um, we use the same scripture, but don't be put off by the numbering. You know, if you were raised in the Methodist faith and you look over here in the notes for the Ten Commandments and you're like, those are worded different, those are out of order, totally fine. And no no panic, no conflict here. Um, it's just in multiple times of scripture, like our Lord will summarize a few. Um, in the Old Testament, it's it's different numbers at different times. Totally okay. So don't let that be a heart palpitation for you, different numbering or different wording. Um, so the Catholic tradition and most Lutheran churches use this same numbering system. So again, if you're looking at this and it's like, that's not the ones I memorized, totally fine. No worry. Everything's okay. Um, so they are split, though. They are, are split by the first three being about love of God. And the last four through 10 are about love of neighbor. So that split will always be there to some degree. Okay, so each commandment is simply a summary of whole categories of actions. And here's the example I gave. Number eight, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That covers things like your, your perjury with each other, lying to each other. Um, slander, slander being like there is some false thing that I'm going to spread. Or detraction. I don't know if you've heard of detraction. This is actually a sin that I think a lot of us do a lot more than we realize. But detraction is I know a truth about someone, but I share that truth with people who don't need to know about it. Have you heard? I mean, does that kind of make sense? Like, I don't need to share this shortcoming or this bad thing that someone did. I don't need to spread that around, but I did. So, um, you know, sometimes that that's always good to kind of uh, confess and recognize within ourselves. I knew this bad thing about someone and I spread it just to either make myself look better or to get a little vengeance. Um, great thing to recognize that kind of uh, detraction. So again, you know, the thou shalt not kill number five. Um, the the word kill in Hebrew, um, lotirsha, um, really means like blood guilt. Kill meaning more murder than kill, kill itself. Um, you know, because like in self-defense, say someone is is breaking into your home and, you know, fear for your life, you club them over the head with something and they die. Um, it doesn't mean you broke that commandment because lotirsa involves more blood guilt, like you're harming and it's your fault. Um, self-defense isn't included in that, but it also means like you take care of people physically. If, um, you know, under this category of thou shalt not kill, can you feed someone who's hungry? Um, you know, keeping their em emotions intact, things like that. So each of these 10 commandments have subcategories and a really good thing to do is to take a confession guide because they ask you a lot of questions like fifth commandments, you know. Did you keep someone's emotional um, status intact? Did you help someone? Did you, you know, punch someone in the arm when you didn't need to? So uh, things like that. So that would be like each commandment. It's kind of a summary of a bunch of categories under it. Okay. So how does that do for a what are they? A kind of okay. Um, any questions about that now? I'll take a live one or let me look at the let me look at the online anonymous ones as well. Yes, got one. 
What idols and also what other gods, plural, were worshipped in those days and today? I know there are many gods, lowercase g, um, and some religions like Greek. Is that what is being talked about too? Exactly. So we'll talk about that in first commandment. So let me um, get to the first commandment and then we'll talk about gods with a lowercase g. I even, I even kind of bring it up just a little bit too. I used Egyptian rather than Greek, but uh, both are a great example. Okay. And another person just put test. Test worked. Um, there you go. All right. Any live questions? Yes. Love it. Um, oh, sure. Um, so I was debating, like, let me just do this. Have you guys heard of Father Mike Schmitz before? Some of you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, let me just pull it up. Just kind of bring him up. Um, Father Mike Schmitz is a very good catechist. If you are looking for bare bones answers in like videos that are eight minutes, six minutes, um, he's your guy. Uh, very charismatic, um, very lively, very articulate. Um, so. <laughs> I was going to bring up my sister said my sister was like, you know, I was listing like Father Mike Schmitz is good for this, this and this. And my sister was like, and he's easy on the eyes. And I was like, Elise. Um, <laughs> so um, Father Mike Schmitz, you know, here almost three million views, which is amazing. Um, so he is really good for you can just type a subject and he will answer things. Um, anything from easy subjects, like why do Catholics go to Mass on Sunday, to harder subjects. He actually has a brother uh, who who has same-sex attractions but lives outside the church. Like, And so he deals with that, too, um, which we'll talk about in two weeks at, the, at that session. But he did something called a Bible, the Bible in a Year, where he would read a section of the Bible— and give a little explanation of it every day. So there's 365, I think, um, that would be the year. Uh, so he did that in a year. You went, if you would listen to that, you went through the whole Bible with a little bit of explanation um, for him to unpack it. Uh, it was the number one podcast last year for many, many weeks, which is kind of uplifting, I think. So now he has what's called the catechism in the year, where they read that big book that I talked about, the which this summarizes, um, they're going to go through that. He'll read a section and kind of unpack it all in eight minutes. Really good. How I mean, how long is your commute to work? Is it that long or longer? Um, really great thing to do. So I'm just going to like start one just for you can just so you can see it. But anyway, he comes up with a subject, has a question. Uh, then unpacks it all in eight some minutes. But anyway, that is Father Mike Schmitz. Um, the play all must have been there. So there you go. This is a trailer. So wherever you watch podcasts, I would highly recommend that. Okay. Do you think that answers that? Yeah. Great resource. I use them too. Like a lot of people think like, what could a priest like still study? And like I constantly study and learn and intake and Otherwise, you're stagnant, and it just revitalizes my own faith. So, awesome. Thank you very much. That's a great question. Father Mike Schmitz, Bible in a Year. 
Yes. Yeah. So when you come here and you're like, well, that was a snooze fest. Um, go to Father Mike Schmitz and hear a good one. Is that what you were implying? No, no, no. I, I, uh, we'll actually talk about this. Honestly, like, honestly, the third point tonight, um, I grew up, I don't know about the Catholics in here. I grew up with poor, bad homilies. I grew up with some terrible homilies and it made mass boring. And so, and I'll, and I'll talk about when I taught high school, but anyway, I'll, I'll bring that up. But, but yes, supplement the amazing homilies you get here um, from Father Walmeyer and Father Asita. And then, yeah, supplement them then. Thank you for that. Um, number one, commandment, love God. Um, so the love of God, okay? Um, you know, I am the Lord your God. You shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Worship him alone, serve him alone, um, whatever articulation um, that is there. The first one is to love God above all other things. And I broke this up into two reasons why you should do that. Um, the first one is because it is just. You know, you think of justice. Justice is like, I owe this because I did this. Out of justice, this should happen. I break your window out of justice, I should replace it. Um but it, when it comes to God, it's like if God is real, then he's the reason that we're here and we exist. He's the only reason that um, I'm around here to experience life. And so that deserves something. That deserves my respect, my love, my admiration, a.k.a. it deserves my worship. He deserves to be placed at the center because without him, I would have nothing because I would not be. So out of justice, there is this idea of he should be placed at the center of our lives. So he's the reason you and I are even here. So that should do something. That should place him as number one, thankful that, that he is there. So out of justice, we place him as number one in our life. And I know this is hard for some people because you're like, well, I have a family. Like, shouldn't my family be placed there? Well, let's move that to number two then. It is right. I don't know if you've had this experience, but, um, you know, have you ever met someone that either you dated or or was a close friend and they were so good and virtuous that it, you had the response of like, boy, I better get my act together. They want to make you a better person. Um, this is exactly what the first commandment is. When you place God who is all good and all loving, who just wants you happy, and so he, he gives of himself, he sacrifices himself, he teaches us a way of life that's like the cheat sheet to happiness and peace, um, he does all this for us. And then when we recognize that, all of a sudden our response is like, I want to be a better person too. And so the first commandment really is, if I place God at the center of my life, it's not only going to make me better, but it's, that's just going to diffuse or radiate from me into others. So if I want to be a better priest, a better husband, a better spouse, a better sibling, a better neighbor, a better person in general, a better worker at work, if I place God at my life, he is going to challenge me to be better. And so that's why we place him as number one, because the end result is you are better not only for yourself, but for those around you. 
So don't look at the first commandment of like, well, now I have to just put everyone else on the back burner and love God alone. If you love God properly, he will give you the ordering to your life so that you are better for yourself and for others. Okay, so I know a lot of people have that conflict of why do I, why put God first? Like, isn't, isn't me being a spouse and a parent uh, just as good? Well, the response is you'll be better if you place him as number one because you'll just grow and change into a better person. Um, so what does this look like on pe how people break this or can live up to this? Um, the first one, scene one, you do not worship or place any false god with a lowercase g at the center of your life. So this can mean things like uh, the Egyptian gods, the Greek gods. Um, one of the things is, you know, when you read scripture, there's a big difference between scripture and myths. Myths are like Star Wars, where it happened in a long, long time ago in a place far away. Um, but scripture is like in the year 4 AD when Herod did this at this region. So it gives you a place, a time, um, historical figures that are affirmed by Roman historians and Jewish historians. So when when scripture, the reason scripture rings true when you just plain read it is because it is a moment in history while myths like the Greek gods and the Egyptian gods, they have a location and maybe a time, um, but they're more like Aesop's fables. They're more fairy tale-ish. And you can just tell right when you hear the stories, there's something different here. Anyway, so if you are placing a... Um, Worship of a false god with a lowercase g at your life. But I don't think that's what most people struggle with. I don't think y'all have a picture of Ra in your bedroom and saying like, okay, this is, this is, I better say hi to him. Otherwise the sun will not come up in the morning. I don't think you struggle with that. Let's look at practical. Number two, what are the practical ways that we break this first commandment? And this is where I place my time, attention, effort, like the best parts of me. I give over to... Money, influence, success, beauty, youth. If I hold these things to too high of a standard where they're getting my attention, they're getting my effort, they're getting my, um, my love and admiration more than God, that, those are practical ways that we as humans break the first commandment. Um, workaholics. Um, workaholics might place either the admiration they, they get from being always at the job or being recognized as always there. Um, that's almost worship of the admiration you get from being a, a workaholic, or they think you think you have to earn your love by being productive, or they just are avoiding something else. And so they work. So, you know, that is a way that you actually break the first commandment, placing something else at the center of what you do. And I had a homily about this before Christmas. Where do you spend your time? What do you plan your day around? Check out if that might be something you're worshiping. Um, yeah, I know no humans miss. I know I do this, maybe, maybe just me in general, but in my day, I will have three times that I eat. So 
because I spend my time at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I, I'm like, yeah, these are important to me. But what about my holy hour? Is that something that I negotiate? Like, well, as a priest, I, I really should be doing a holy hour every day. Do I negotiate with that one? Do I skip it some days? That, must, that just shows that it would not be as important if I skipped it. So wherever you spend your time, check out if that's something that you're worshiping. That kind of makes sense? I overcheck with you guys like does that make sense is this okay just because I was a teacher and I'm used to like juniors with their not that their eyes were glazed but um but I just had to make sure that they were paying attention because I mean junior boys especially you know I mean they're knuckle draggers at that age which is fine um but like just making sure just making sure I'm I'm getting through um Number three might be something that um, is a very interesting subject on the back. Belief in practicing magic, Wiccan, voodoo, but also things like atheism. Um, I don't know about you, but when I meet an atheist, which I, which I don't know what it is. People have different calls of who they like to talk with. Um, you know, by it. By our confirmation, which we'll talk about as a sacrament later, confirmation is I am doing the work that God the Father calls me to. So there are certain groups of people where my heart goes out to. And one of them really is people who are angry with God. I love talking with people who are angry about angry about God. I don't know what it is. I've just always had that. Um, but I found that most atheists, it's not that they don't believe in God, it's that they believe there's a God and they hate him, which is two different categories. Um, someone who doesn't believe in God, I found to be more rare than someone who hates God. Um, and I found someone who hates God more open to discussion. Um, and then a lot of times it's a simple fix. Um, you know, why did God allow this or allow suffering? Um, that is a topic that I could, that would be a huge tangent if I get into, but I mean, like we have a God who did not avoid suffering, avoids avoiding suffering. It's not the point again, but, um, you know, free will is a gift that he gave us and he can't mess with people's free will. I'm going down the tangent when I shouldn't, if you do want that answered, maybe put that in and we can do that. So belief in practicing a magic Wiccan voodoo, um, new agey things are starting to creep into, um, into a lot of practices. What I would say is that the reason our diocese needed a second exorcist trained is because a lot of new agey things, and by new agey, I mean like, um, don't panic if you've done this and it's like, oh, he's calling me out. I don't know if I'm calling you out. I'm just saying in general, um, there are practices kind of like Reiki, which is the laying on of hands and calling the spirits, like or calling energies and spirits. The reason that is kind of dangerous is because um, fallen angels or demons, as we would say, spirits, they can masquerade as anything. They can masquerade as a loved one who's departed. They can masquerade and give little gifts, such as little bits of of like knowledge or something like that. They can give these things in order to kind of put their foot in the door into your life. And so a lot of people are doing kind of some new agey practices, opening up their, their spirit to the universe. Well, a demon could be like, 
you know, I'm the universe um, and kind of go in. So that's why practices like that, we are very, very cautious with. Um, and we had to train a second exorcist because we are seeing legitimate problems. Um, the other sidetrack, but like one of the lowest levels of demonic activity is infestation. And that means they're in an animal or a place or a thing. Um, and when you open yourself up to the world or, or spirits or something, um, and a demon comes in, that's how they kind of enter in mostly in an infestation. Um, sorry if that's getting creepy. This should have been for October, but, um, but yeah, I, I love talking about that because it's a truth. And I know a lot of people who became Catholic because they had either an infestation or an obsession is the next level. And they went to the example I'm thinking of is they went to their Methodist minister and the Methodist minister was like, oh, you have to go to the Catholic priest. And um, sure enough, the Catholic priest went in, did a house blessing. House blessing didn't work. They did a mass, didn't work. So they had to do the next step, which is the formal exorcism, getting the exorcist. So um, practicing stuff like that, breaking the first commandment is very powerful. Hence why that leaves doors open for things. Yes. Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I would say a big one that people don't think. I mean, you know, Ouija boards, right? Um, so. Uh, Ouija boards are French for we, oui, which means yes, and ja or ja, or which is German for yes. So the name itself is like, yes, yes, like I'm opening myself up. So a lot of people are like, yeah, Ouija boards, they're, they're just like cardboard and ink. They can't, they can't deal with anything. So I'm just going to get into this. We're just getting into this. Sorry. Sorry. People don't want to get into it, but. Um, so there are two realms. Uh, there's the material. Wait, did I already do this in this class? Okay. I, I, when you randomly teach a lot, you're just like, did I do this already? So there's the material realm, and then there's the spiritual realm. And I kind of already gave away the punchline, but the material realm are rocks and, you know, bunnies. Um, you know, thing, you know, the grass or the ground. These are all material. These are material things, okay? Completely spiritual things are things like um, angels and then, you know, fallen angels who have chosen not God, demons. Um, they have no body. They have no material thing. So the only being that touches both worlds is us. So because we touch both worlds, and this was God's plan from the beginning, we have influence over both. I have influence over the material realm by using my body to push on material things. I have influence on the spiritual realm by my soul interacting with spiritual reality. This is why God is so kind, because our prayers actually work. They actually change the spiritual realm. Uh, there's a beautiful practice called the seven sisters who pray for a priest. Um, th these seven women pray for a priest on different days of the week. And I have felt that influence at random times. And when it's just like, uh, I think it was like last month when it was like, this is an impossible situation. I don't know what to do. 
this is not going to work out felt an influence and is like what if we tried this and it worked that is completely vague but i'm protecting a lot and shortening the long story um and then my spiritual you know no this was last year sorry other spiritual sister at roseland nebraska and she was like father at 2 p.m were you okay and i was like i was not okay um <laughs> so uh, she herself was praying at um, Assumption Parish, which was our mission. And she was just like, I was praying at 2 p.m. Something was, but anyway, she was the most holiest person. Someone, I love meeting people who just like put me to shame spiritually. And I'm like, I need to get better. Anyway, her prayers influenced something. But but the long and short of it is we are touch both realms. And so we have influence. That's why the Ouija board, which is just material, it's cardboard and ink, in, it's inert, it's unaffected until we touch it and we are kind of the conduit between the two. So we are seeing more activity, hence why we had to do, because there's less fear of like, oh, I shouldn't do this. A big one for kids was Charlie Charlie. Do you know that one? Um, so if you see a kid playing Charlie Charlie, uh, get away from it. Um, they draw on a piece of paper. Uh, yes, yes, no, no. And they put two pencils at the middle of it. And then they asked, you know, Charlie, um, will I get hurt today? And so most of the time the pencils don't move or anything, but once in a while they do open themselves up to something. So um, there's a infestation in Fremont, Nebraska, priest buddy of mine. That was the the biggest thing that he saw was a dresser that moved on its own. Like that was the one that I was like, I don't know if I'm strong enough to see that. <laughs> so, but he was, um, so they were in the kitchen and they're like, you know, he's explaining like, did you ever do a Ouija board? No, 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 no. That's bad. And then he's like, did you do Charlie Charlie's? Like, well, yeah, we do that at recess. And he's like, well, this could bring, and as he's explaining this, uh, they hear the drag thump and they go into the other room and the dresser had moved. And so they had an infestation and a house blessing just worked on that one. The basic, the basic house blessing that priests do, which I've done some house blessings, maybe not of anyone here, but, um, house blessings work, um, yeah, so that was a huge tangent. Hopefully that was okay with everyone. But but that whole realm is breaking the first commandment, kind of reaching out, um, divination, um, all that stuff. Now, can you read your hor horoscope? You could read it if it's fun, but if you place like genuine, like this will happen, that's where I'd be a little cautious, you know? Oh, I'm, you know, what's happening to Gemini's today? Huh, that's kind of funny. Totally fine. But if it's like, what's happening to Gemini's today? Okay, well, I'm going to alter how I live according to this. That might be a little, little kind of breaking the first a little bit. Does that make sense? The difference between the two? You can have fun with it, but like, don't, don't put stock on it. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have, has anyone seen the X? Oh, this is big tangents. Um, has anyone seen the exorcism of Emily Rose? Yeah, so yeah. Um, so it's a secular movie. Well, I don't want to say secular movie, but it, it made money in Hollywood. It's a good film. I, I actually like it. But towards the end, she the big choice was, would she allow this suffering to happen? And she said yes, because it in the end, it glorified God and brought more people to God. So 
God will allow this if we open ourselves up to it. Um, if we open ourselves up, God's going to respect it. Think of a demon like has to go to a courtroom in heaven and say, God, I get to bug this person because they did X, Y, and Z. And God's like, I have to respect their free will. They chose this. Go ahead. Um, and that's why confession is actually, I thought a formal, this, the exorcist told us this. I thought an exorcism was the strongest thing to get rid of demons in the connection, like cut the connection. And the exorcist was like, no, a, a confession is actually a stronger prayer than exorcism. Because in the confession, you're saying you are not allowed to be in. So confession is a big way to break, but vast majority of the time is us allowing it or calling it forth. God allows it for greater good to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, sorry if this is, if other people are, but I'm, I like, I like, and go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Feel in, yeah, seances and things like that. That would be in this realm. Yeah. Sure. I would. Yeah. So we would say we would not participate in this because divination, knowing the future, things like that. It's in uh, the book of Samuel. Is that right? Was Samuel the one who went? Um, Saul. Thank you very much. So Saul himself in the Old Testament went to a soothsayer and it worked. It worked because like he could commune with the dead. But it says explicitly there that you shall not do that. So if you get readings and whatnot, that would be kind of in this realm. And I would stay away from it because who could pretend to be, you know, grandpa or grandma, but some spirit that has watched grandma or grandpa and would know their responses. So for your own protection, I would stay. So this isn't a no, don't do this. This is more of a for your own protection. This could be a false thing trying to get its its hook in. Um, oh, I forgot her name, but there's one. Um, she has three names, but she was stuck. She, she was kind of into the new agey, um, kind of movements, energy reading and things like that. But she got, but she was on Catholic answers. Does it, can anyone help me? She's, she's on Catholic answers a lot, but she used to do new agey things, had a, a demonic influence, got free, came back to the church. Anyone know her? Dang. Um, but she did that. She did all sorts of readings and, and new agey things. Um, but then she found out she was oppressed. Like all these things had gotten into her life that way. So yeah, just for your own protection. Um, and then if you are Catholic, just say like, hey, I didn't know this was bad. So I'm bringing this up in confession just to cut ties. And you'll, you'll, get, no, you'll get no static from the priest. They'll just be like, praise God, you're bringing it here. Um, but yeah, but that's good. Uh, now, there are people who are spiritually sensitive and who really can feel, um, you know, spiritual movements and things like that. That's another topic. Um, yeah, that's another topic. Look up mystics of the church because those are those are those are good because some people are spiritually sensitive. Um, 90 percent of the time, it's more women. The mystics of the church are 90 percent more women because just spiritually, there's more receptivity um, in that. So mystics of the church are ones that receive messages from uh, Jesus, our Lord, uh, Mary, then are approved by the church. So look up mystics of the church, and that's just a spiritual sensitivity. Now we're getting into the super niche 
and I really should get back, but was there one quick question? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'd say the one that is universal is the, the St. Michael prayer. Um, this is usually like a, tr a trick question, but if someone asked you who is the opposite of the devil, what, what would you, what would you, what would you say? Who's the opposite of the devil himself, like the complete opposite? Yeah, people would say God or Jesus, right? You know, God, Jesus. But actually, the opposite of the devil is actually St. Michael. They're not on the same playing field, God and the devil. Lucifer was created by God, so he's, he can't even harm God. And so the actual opposite of Satan, Lucifer, the devil, is St. Michael. That would be his equivalent. And so a great prayer is the St. Michael prayer. You look that up. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. That is a strong, strong, strong prayer. And then later on, um, more advanced ones are called deliverance prayers. Any kind of deliverance prayer. And if you have, you know, we last week, uh, last week, oh, two weeks ago, man, the, the days are blending together. Had a young girl who was scared of a, a lady in her room, so we did a house blessing. Uh, couldn't confirm or deny. Could have been just wild imagination. Ninety-five percent of the time, it's someone's imagination. But just in case, we did a house blessing anyway because it's always good. But all right. Well, how about that as a forty-five-minute first point? Um, if you do have more questions, feel free. Um, but we will get to the second two points. So let's take a break. Go get some snacks, uh, restrooms, water, um, and all that. And if you are completely freaked out or confused and want to chat, come on up. <laughs>